Hey everybody and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sacred Resistance Podcast. This is episode number 13. Today we had Angela Doss on the show. She's a counselor and a therapist among a bunch of other things. She is a nutrition and eating coach. Um, She's an artist and a poet. Uh, Her poetry is beautiful. Uh, You can find her on Instagram at Attuning Forks. All her information will be in the show notes. Um, She's also a gardener, a truth seeker, a truth teller, and she likes to bridge the gap between the different worlds, especially right now. There's such a big polarity happening, and Angela is here trying to bridge the two worlds together. Yeah, and she, like so many other of us on the truth-seeking journey, had to uh, come to a point where she was, um, the medical system was failing her, and she was knocking on death's door, basically. and that's what it took to kind of uh, change paths. And wake her up. Yeah. So, Angela, thank you for sharing your story with us. It was quite an incredible one. Yeah. Um, and I would love to go deeper about some things we didn't even get to talk about. I know you work with people who have um, eating disorders. And that's something that is that fascinates me. And I would love to maybe have you back one day and we could talk more about that kind of thing. Yeah, this conversation today was uh, mainly tuned into the uh, situation at hand with the vaccine passports and whatnot, and uh, the importance of uh, resisting such things. Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the conversation. Again, Angela, thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure to talk to you and a complete honor to have you on our show. Um, And we love you all for listening. Thank you guys so much. We wouldn't uh, be doing this without you. And I hope you all have a great, great, great day. Yeah, thanks, guys. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. The sacred resistance. Today we have Angela Doss from Attuning Forks Wellness with us. So, Angela, thank you so much for coming to be on our podcast. It's really an honor to have you here. Um, well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found you on Instagram. I don't even know how long ago, but everything that you post just resonates on such a deep level. And I just want to give the listeners a bit of a background about you if they haven't if they haven't um, seen your Instagram page. Um, but please correct me if there's anything wrong that I say. But uh, you're you're amazing, and I just love everything you're posting. But um, you are Angela Doss from Attuning Forks Wellness, and you're a mind-body eating psychology coach, a registered associate associate marriage and family therapist, a counselor in residence. You're an artist and a poet, which your your poetry is beautiful. Um, an activist, a gardener, a gardener, a speaker and seeker of truth. And I'm sure there's more to the list that I would love for you to share with us um, who you are and what you do and the magic of Angela. I mean, I, I don't know if I can live up to all of those titles. <laughs> it feels like a lot. Um, it's yeah, it's representative. Everything you just said um, is representative of just like the ride that I've been on. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'm at a place where, you know, all of the, the life that I've lived, the experiences I've had and the the education that I've got is really just coalescing in this beautiful way right now. Um, which is sometimes painful, you know, with the, the reality of the world as it is, but, um, yeah, I just, I feel really 
moved and and responsible for supporting people in discovering their own leadership and their own wisdom and finding their own voice. Um, and there are just so many ways to do that in so many areas of life. Um, so yeah, I, I work with food and food relationship. I work um, with psychotherapy and coaching. Um, you know, and as, as it feels relevant, I, I do bring in some nutrition, but I actually find there's so much work to do just in those other areas. Like yeah. even if I have a nutrition, if I, if I have somebody who comes to me for nutrition, we spend most of our time actually in the food relationship space and really unpacking like everything that comes up for them around it. And there's just, there's just so much work in that area. I can imagine. So, and you're in LA, so I can see how that would be even more. Um, I think it's everywhere for sure, but even more down there than other places, perhaps just because you guys have the more apparent, like everybody's in a bathing suit more often. You've got the celebrities down in LA that everyone's comparing themselves to. Not that we don't have that everywhere because it's inundated in our social media and the magazines when we're at the grocery store on the television, like it is everywhere, but I can imagine it being just a bigger impact down there. Yeah, there's definitely um, a sense of the weight of culture. Um, yeah, and I, I worked in residential eating disorder treatment for about a year and a half. And it took, it took just that long to realize that, that there were so many things about their approach that just really didn't resonate for me because I, you know, every aspect of my life, and I think this probably comes through in my poetry, um, and thank you for your kind words on that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I really make it a meditation to, to try to tell complete stories and to try to really come at everything I do with a holistic approach, you know, and like literally search for the wholeness of it. Um, and, and also to trust that just because I'm not, I'm not identifying it or feeling it or connecting with it in that moment, that it's, it's always there. It's not something that's been lost. It's not something that's been fragmented. And I think that's one of the real tragedies of a pathologizing mental health system and a pathologizing medical system, yeah. to be frank, because we we're so focused on symptoms, you know, that we miss the person, we miss the experience, we miss the opportunity to look and see what context and conditions actually inform health. Yeah. 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 Um, you, uh, that reminds me of a post that you did about our healthcare. It was kind of a joke, but you're like, our healthcare isn't healthcare. It's a, uh, what sick care. I had it pulled up for a second. It's a really sick joke. It's a really sick <laughs> joke. Yeah. 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 And I think what we're seeing on a massive scale right now is all the quote unquote systems that are in play. They're just broken. They're so broken. And, um, the old paradigms that we've been using to help people get better aren't working and even so much so like we had a we had um um oh my gosh what's his name the last no no uh hang on it'll come to me <laughs> this is embarrassing one of our previous guests yeah um addiction specialist oh uh todd, todd yeah, oh todd. <laughs> i had ted in my head and i was like it's not ted, ted it's todd, todd yeah. um we had uh another guest on who is a addictions therapy and his whole approach to helping people heal is all um healing the trauma and i didn't realize this getting into it but like 
AA and other addiction approaches of addiction therapy has less than 17% success rate at the highest. Whereas Mm. he's trying to, to take that paradigm and shift it upside down so that people can actually start healing and not just treating the symptoms, but getting to the root cause of why someone's drinking. And I think that is so much what we need in for mental health, for food, for our healthcare system. And yeah. Yeah. So people like you doing the work and that's, that's recognizing that it's gotta be frustrating though, working in that field and seeing how broken of a system it is. Do you find that? I do. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of my, uh, psychotherapy training at a community center that actually, you know, this is central to their mission is identifying the context and the conditions and being curious about that and actually like actively challenging the dominant public narratives. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, it's been, I mean, it's been such, just such a rewarding experience. I think I've, I've like been there, been at that community center for maybe six years. Um, and of course, you know, once, once COVID and lockdown and everything hit (laughs) really lost access to it. Um, and that was, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Like this place, it's literally in our mission statement that we exist to combat social isolation. Wow. Um, wow. And so I just, I felt it so viscerally wow. <laughs> when we, we shut down and, you know, it's been, it's been a whole year, uh, well, year, year and a half now, um, of really just feeling and questioning, like, was this an abandonment of our values? Yeah. Um, and this this informs a lot of my posts. Sorry, I'm drifting from your from your specific. No, that's question. okay. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, but it but it does feel like you know all of this yummy nourishing education and experience that I've had at this at this place with these amazing people. You know, in learning to to step back and you know look at the wholeness of things rather than just the specific symptomology um, to treat people as whole people, including like how well are they connected to community? You know, what, what outlets and resources do they have to support themselves in developing resilience? Um, You know, doing that rather than making the person themselves the problem and the thing to be fixed. Um, Having had such a, a yummy nourishing experience at this place and then having that community just kind of, fragmented and ripped away um it's it's been a real reckoning for me um and then also with all of the with all of the uh, the experimental injection stuff you know um i think you, you you probably have noticed that a space i inhabit at least on social media is really trying to like because I, I do feel like I have one foot in this social justice world and I have another foot in this health freedom world. Yeah. And I'm really trying to like use social justice language to, to illuminate some of these health freedom issues because for whatever reason, that community, uh, that social justice community that I've been part of is not seeing the same injustice in this right. context that I am. and you know, so I've been having some really difficult conversations in those spaces. Um, with, people, with fellow with counselors, fellow therapists. Yes. Um, and it's, 
you know, I, it's, it's hard to know how, how much my message is getting through, like, because of the, the virtual nature of those meetings right now, you know, not yeah. getting to be in person. Um, but, you know, I, I found that some people have been, you know, a little defensive, but can hold some complexity. Um, you know, I think that's just part of the nature of being a therapist is that we, we do have some ability to, to kind of imagine and play with different opinions and realities. Um, and then some people have just straight up told me, Angela, this isn't activism and what you're speaking to does not align with my values. Um, and that's been really painful. It's been really painful. Um, yeah. They, do you think they, those people just have their blinders up or they're not looking at the other side of the information? Well, I mean, there are many, there are many issues <laughs> that, that need attention. Um, I think there's a disconnect in obviously the, the science that is available um, right. or that is sought out. Um, obviously we've got this, this divergent mainstream narrative. Well, I guess that's an oxymoron. <laughs> I, I think of the mainstream narrative as the divergent one, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think there's just, you know, there's, there's a, there's probably a lack of curiosity, you know, I think that, right. um, which feels like a real problem to me. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but some of what I've seen is that as, as people have gotten their injections, you know, I mean, of course it makes sense because it's been a year and a half of this collective intense personal to trauma, you know, and people want it to be over. Oh, so um, badly. And, so, and so what I've seen is like, as people in my community have gotten their injections, there's a real urgency to like, okay, like let's, get on with our lives now why are we still why is Angela still bringing this up um <laughs> and of course that just that just made that just really resonated with me in terms of other social justice movements you know like like people who want the Black Lives Matter folks for example to just like okay like we see you can you like not bring this into our sporting events and can you like can you quiet down now yeah um and so it's just I yeah so <sighs> it's a lot to see and try to communicate about. Yeah. Um, the social justice, social justice is a, is a pretty big buzz, not the two words, buzzwords, buzz topic right now, social justice warriors and virtue signaling. Um, so when you speak about social justice and you're like, uh, involved in social justice, I think social justice means something completely different than these social justice warriors out there, virtue signaling, um, shaming people. Um, can you maybe like clarify a little bit about that? Like, are you part of the social justice movement? That's, um, you know what I'm trying to say? Like social justice warriors are, are, are all over the place right now. Um, waving their flags. Um, having, having a keyboard courage. Yeah. Keyboard courage. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think this is a great example of where I'm in an active question. Um, you know, I, I I feel very strongly that, you know, we're all humans and we deserve equal access. Um, I'm also aware that that's a really, it's a really hard thing for everyone to have right now. There's a lot, there's a lot, there are a lot of issues that need attention. Um, yes, for sure. <laughs> um, so, so are I. You, are you for 
the Black Lives Matter movement or are you against it? Or how do you, where do you stand on the BLM movement? That's a heated question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, this is a, we're in a heated, we're in a heated uh, time of the topic world. of world right now. We are. Um, I mean, I, yeah, so I. I think the idea behind the Black Lives Matter movement is not what the Black Lives Matter movement is actually carrying out. So I'm, I, I'm aware that there are different narratives about what Black Lives Matter means, and I'm, I'm really not wanting to get into a heated. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 I, no I fair like, enough. Um, absolutely black lives matter you know absolutely. and i think part of absolutely like, the reason that that statement is even necessary is because black black people are being murdered and you know are are being treated like they're they're less than human so there are a lot of reasons why why and i'm by no means like qualified to speak on behalf of black lives matter mm. um but, you but they absolutely yeah for sure for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the the biggest things of this topic right now is, like, if you look back at this this I always say this word wrong, um, Stategi report or trials. Tuskegee. Yeah, that those trials and they've been experimented on, and now they're also being pushed to have this experimental, um, vaccine jab injection, whatever you want to call it, and it's it's been taken to the the lower income families who unfortunately a lot of them are black and they're they're being told that it's one thing when it's not and i think that that is so unjust and they have been experimented on for years um i took a vaccine course um through a doctor his name is dr hinale and he himself is a, a black man he's a doctor he's amazing and that's one of the biggest things he talks about he was like he was like when are the when are when are my people going to wake up and see that that the things that are being pushed on them are actually not to help them it's to keep them in this trap and i think i yeah. i think the whole um black lives matter movement um has been hijacked yeah it, it's not i've i've listened to some good like celebrities are, are kind of you get to take some and leave some right now you can leave most of them but uh there's been some good black celebrities speaking out against the black lives matter movement saying this isn't our movement this is a movement that was handed to us by george soros and and uh people like that and it's like this was a manufactured movement that was just kind of pushed onto us um it's not like an organic grassroots movement um so which is so sad yeah it's so sad yeah and there's even... all sorts of other groups um like the lgbtq groups that are that are kind of jumping on to the blm movement and uh having their values incorporated into that movement where it really has nothing to do with the black Lives matter movement there's there's a lot of coattail riding going on well it's i think a lot of these movements have been hijacked exactly yeah yeah which is what a lot of these like ice cube uh another rapper from um brand nubian is speaking out about uh, against it's you know saying exactly what i said this is not our movement this is a movement that was just pushed onto us by rich white people hmm. Well, and I, I think I think you're bringing up an important point, which is like there there are all these little tribes, you know, to like plug into. But I think what can get lost in all of that is 
just like our our uniqueness and our diversity and the fact that there is so much complexity within each of these groups, you know, and and I think that that we're losing that to some degree. And I think there's there's so many ways to get caught up in conversations that that other each other that that create separation, you know, when when actually like yes, there are so many causes that need attention right now that need urgent attention. And part of the reason that I'm so vocal about this particular issue with the injections is because this feels even more pressing to me right now. Mm-hmm. It also feels like an area that that I have some personal experience with, some personal awareness about. And so I'm placing myself in this position of trying to be a bridge builder, trying to have conversations that, that really help us to see each other, Yeah, you know? Um, and it's, it's such a difficult thing, you know, like I remember part of the, part of the, um, the heartbreak in my experience over this last year and a half with my community, you know, and one example, um, is, uh, so right after the, the, 2020 election, you know, when, when we see all of these people voted for Trump (laughs) and, you know, at least in my community, that was a really jarring thing. You know, like, I think there was some imagining that, you know, okay, well, like 2016 was a blip and now 2020, like, we'll get it right this time. And to see like that it was so close, much closer than, than anybody felt like they could stomach, you know, I, I remember somebody in one of my one of my groups there speaking to how well I guess I'm just done trying to reach all of those people and I just like that hurt me so deeply and I I thought like I'm unwilling to live in a reality where I have to write off half of our population yeah like I'm unwilling to accept that and and it also felt like a real departure from when I, when I first entered this community where a lot of the talk was about building bridges and mining for shared values and really just being a, a force of empathic connection, you know, and, and there's just, there's so much intellectualizing and so much like just raw, raw mentality on, on, both sides and and it misses just all the complexity and all of the shared humanity that's that's possible and available in between and that's i say all that and that's not to that's not to diminish you know again just like the righteousness of some of these causes because absolutely we have to figure some real shit out yeah um and in order to do that i think we have we have to experience our shared humanity we yeah. have to be able to have difficult conversations, yeah. um, you know, and so I find myself now and, and this feels a little bit validating or gra- like I don't assuring, reassuring, heartening, maybe um, that I that in, in losing closeness with some some of that community, that that sense of closeness that I'm actually in a place now where I am having some of these more difficult conversations. I'm meeting people that I wouldn't normally be hanging out with because they weren't in my tribe. They weren't in my right. sphere. 
And so it's really vulnerable and really scary. And like, I don't want to say the wrong thing and like all of that, you know, but I'm just, I'm unwilling to, to be silent anymore because I'm scared of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was too. Like for years, I like, I've got kids and if you, people who have listened to our previous podcast, they, they will know that my wake up was when I had my kids was when, when we, when we really started waking up to the corruption of the medical industry. And then once you open your eyes to that, it kind of spirals and you start seeing the corruption in so many of the different systems that we have in play. And I, we were silent for years, so quiet. And then there came a day where I was like, I can't be quiet anymore. Like I can't be quiet. And, and it has, it hasn't been easy. It's been really difficult to people. People think we're crazy. A lot of our family members think that we're crazy, but at the same time, I have family members now that, that are like, oh, wow, you, you, you were right. Like there were so many things that you were right about. And, um, but like you said, as well, we found more people now who are like family, who our friends have become family and our tribe of people who, who are standing up for our freedoms and who are willing to take their health into their, their, the responsibility of their health into their own hands and not be a victim of the system and saying, well, well, father medicine has to do this for me. It's like, no, you have to do this for you. And I think that that is across the board, all the systems that are at play, the medical system, the mental health, um, all the mental health issues. Yeah. You have, maybe you have a label, but let's, let's get past the label and move through it and take your health into your own hands. Because I do believe that a lot of depression and anxiety comes from not living your sole purpose and not, um, just feeling lost in this world. It's like, you're, you, you just don't know where you're meant to be. So it gives you extreme depression and anxiety. Whereas it doesn't mean you're going to have that anxiety and that depression forever. And, um, I've done not a ton, a ton of research, but a fair share of research on antidepressants. And those are again, not a fix all. Those are a band-aid to cover it up, but in the long run, it's actually hurting you even more. Whereas like, let's heal from the trauma and have someone to talk to. Um, and yeah, so I got off on a tangent there, but no, I think, I think you're right on topic. And I think, I think like changing the system is part of healing the trauma, Yeah, you know, and, and I think it's really important, you know, to, to, to use our and engage our imaginations too about, you know, the thing that you just said about this is feeling like life and death, you know, so many of these other issues, like that is what activates people to want to change the system is because that particular experience for them of marginalization or oppression or whatever it is, feels like life and death. Totally. And so, you know, so there's there, and that, that is a shared human value. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, oh, look at us. We're like, we're so activated about this thing because it's such a threat, yeah. you know? And what are our values? Like, we want to be able to have bodily autonomy. Yeah. You know, we want, we want to have a say in, in, you know, what comes into our bodies. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to be able to make decisions for our lives, you know, and, and these are, these are values that connect us. Yeah. And I think people just aren't realizing that saying yes to this 
injection and possible vaccine passports will lead to a plethora of getting more jabs a year than they could even imagine. So like just seeing down the pipeline, like, yeah, you might have what we're being told is you, you take these two injections and then you have your freedom back. And people are just so desperate to have, have their, their quote unquote freedom back when reality is you're only going to have that if you keep to like, um, uh, keep up your vaccine schedule. Like there's already everybody who's had two doses, they're already saying you need a booster. Yeah. So the, a third, a dose. third dose. Yeah. And then the new variants and the new mutations are coming. Like this is a never ending perpetual cycle of it, injections. It's never going to stop. It, but once you start getting it, them, you're in it forever. It's an active subscription to a new oppression. Yeah, exactly. 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 I like how you said that an active subscription to a new oppression. Yeah. So well, let's true. stay on this topic. Cause this is a, this is a really important one. Um, this vaccine passport, it's, how many people told me, you know, a few months ago that will never happen here. That's never going to happen here. Only in a third world country. Or only would that in a happen. third world country will that ever happen. Well, it started in Israel and now look at what's happening. Now look at even in Manitoba, it's like, you know, Maxime Bernier just got arrested for speaking, speaking at, a, at rally. a rally without a mask or something. Who's a, like who, he's running Ooh. for a political party up here for the people's um, people's choice. Yeah. The people's people's party. Mm. People's party. Yeah. 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 And he just got arrested. Um, was it in Manitoba? In Manitoba, yeah. And now there's like the law has been passed in Manitoba. If you're over 13, you can get your vaccine with no parental consent. You don't even have to tell them. Um, yeah, it's, it's manipulation. Yeah, it's well, out of control. That's happening down there too, correct? Um, I'm so I have to take breaks from the news. Like, <laughs> I can't fully engage. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure exactly what the status is right now. Um, I saw something recently about Gavin Newsom saying there was going to be some kind of identification needed. I, I didn't have a chance to look deeply at it, but, um, yeah, so supposedly I think the last I heard was that June 15th was like when the mask mandate was supposed to be like out the window, but it seems like every time I, I do kind of peripherally check in, there's some yeah. new something that's yeah. like, oh, but wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there so is vaccine, not there is passports now in Manitoba where if you have both injections mm. and you have your passport, you can travel freely. So Canada's got this quarantine law. Our our prime minister is a real piece of shit. He's a <laughs> deep state puppet piece of shit. He's uh Justin Trudeau. If you're listening, Trudeau, up yours. Um, <laughs> he's a horrible, horrible deep state operative, just like all these world leaders. They're awful. Um, the G7 summit, the Queen, all those Boris Johnson, all of them together. They're all in, they're yeah. they're all in it together. Exactly. But um, where was I going with that? The vaccine passports. Yeah. So it's been passed in Manitoba. So our our law in Canada is if you travel outside of Canada, when you fly back mandatory two week quarantine in one of their facilities you don't have any mm. option and that you have to pay for yeah that you that have to a pay Canadian for citizen to pay for and a lot of them are like they they are getting charged like sometimes $2000 a night $2000 a night and you don't have a choice but to go stay in these places there's no locks on the doors it's straight up communism it's unreal um so now in Manitoba they've issued a passport whereas if you've had both your doses you can travel freely now and you don't need to quarantine when you get home. Like it's here, it's happening. This is Canada is, is China. -da. 
it's it's bad mm. news here right now. I I actually listened to a um, video on Instagram and it was a woman from China and she was speaking in up at uh, I don't know if it was at the in California or not, but talking in front of representatives, like saying, like warning people, like this is why I left China. This is what's coming to America. I'm pretty sure she was in California and she she was very well-spoken. She's like, first it was this, and then it was this, like first step was, I can't remember the exact steps, but yeah, it's definitely- Papers, please. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely concerning. So we're obviously yeah. not getting it. We're standing up against this. I'm not flying anywhere anytime soon. That's that's my mind's made up on that. Um, I'm self-employed. I don't have to worry about my boss forcing it on me or anything like that. But I mean, how long can we hide in the shadows for before it's like now they're weeding out all the contractors and self-employed people? Like they're going to come for everybody at some point. It's, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Like we got to stand up and fight, right? This is why we do this. Um, but how much time is left, you know, and, and we gotta, we gotta fight. We have to fight. Well, yeah. And then I think about kind of what you just named of like all the people who, who do have employers shoving this down their throat, who like, yeah. don't have that sort of like sheltered experience of, you know, like, like part of the reason I'm able to speak to some of these things is because I, I work jobs where I, I have so much freedom. You know, and I, I have a family that can support me if, if, if I really need to lean on them, not everybody has that. And I just yeah. feel such empathy, just the, the confrontational and, and, you know, con confining experience that that must be like, that's scary. It's scary. Okay. And then I, you know, I, I keep, I keep asking like, what, what is the disconnect? Like, why, why is one community not able to see just the, the clear segregation and classism that's, that's happening right now. Um, you know, and, and I just, I, and I, gosh, I, even as you're talking, like, I'm just noticing in my body, like how sick all of this makes yeah. me feel, yeah, totally. you know, I think, I think that's part of the conversation I'm trying to open up to, and, uh, you know, is really rooted in a lot of my, my training is, being in touch with the body, yeah. you know, and feeling the embodied impacts that we have on each other, totally. you know, and, and, you know, because my connection with my body is part of the reason that I know so clearly that this injection is not for me. It's just yeah. not, it's never going to happen yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. I'm and forced against my will. Like that is just how clear I feel about it, yeah. you know, and I feel like if if more people had a stronger connection with their bodies, yes, yeah. I think you're that there might hitting. be more clarity around this for them as well, or they might yeah. feel more active of it or more curious about what's actually in this thing. Yeah. I mean, like, that's another thing too, is like, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, they've shut off the valve of curiosity and I'm just yeah. so curious. I'm so curious about that choice. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, a, that's such a good point. And it's like all the, most of the people that are standing up against this and saying, no, take your health into your own hands, not to shame anybody, but look at the people that are standing up and saying, and people that are connected to their body. Like you're talking about for the majority healthy fit, you know, vibrant looking people. And then look at these health ministers 
that are offering us free donuts and free beer and free garbage and burgers to free go lap get, dances. Free that lap was my dances. favorite one. To free go, lap dances for a year. Yeah, to Vegas. go get this this vaccine and look at these health ministers. They look like one of them looks like Jabba the Hutt. The other one looks like a <laughs> this Skeletor. They uh, look sick. They look they sick look and Ill. dying. And then you look at a picture of them. They are all standing there versus a picture of the people that are telling you to take your health into your own hands, take vitamin D, eat a salad, work out, all healthy looking people, the people that are standing up against this and the and people that are getting trying censored. To, yeah, exactly. And the people that are trying to force this jab into your arm look like they're knocking on death's door. It's, and like you said, like being connected with your body, we take our health very seriously. What we put into our bodies, what we eat, what we breathe, what we drink, we take it all very, very seriously. And we've researched it a lot. So for us, this vaccine has been a hard no right off the bat. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear. Yeah. Like, the, the, the divide, the, the dividing tool that they've used has been used against us forever. Like whatever they can use to divide. It's a class issue and they're trying to trying to keep it for, keep us from seeing that. Like, no, the rich people are trying to get us to fight with each other however we can uh whether you're gay or straight or black or white or whatever whatever you want the division they're just they just want us to divide no matter what it's like a king standing there you know against a a whole sea of of people with torches and pitchforks that have had enough and they're ready to come storm the castle and he's going all i have to do is make the torch people think that the pitchfork people want to take their torches away and they'll leave me the hell alone and that's exactly what they do right well and i think what you're naming is is another opportunity to just like step back and be curious about what what sort of divisions are we taking the bait on you know right. like, even this idea of you know um you know the the image of health and like the idea that we can tell by looking at somebody exactly what's happening yeah. like sometimes sure yes but oftentimes you know like and this is where my being type 1 diabetic comes in like it's technically like an invisible illness you wouldn't yeah. look at me and go wow she's living with chronic chronic disease or chronic illness um you know so just kind of appreciating always that there are things that we we can't always know and you know I'm, I'm really an, an advocate, you know, sort of like for, for looking at the systemic structures that have created illness mm-hmm. versus assigning exactly. blame or assigning, you know, meaning to like, oh, here's this person who like, you know, has whatever health issue. And, you know, like, for example, my, my endocrinologist, my, my diabetes doctor, after several years of you know, going to him for support, um, for prescriptions, mostly, um, he was diagnosed with type two diabetes. Wow. And my dietitian soon after was diagnosed with type two diabetes. Um, <clears throat> so broken systems. it's a broken system. There's an opportunity for a couple of things there. One is to, to look really clearly at the systems that created this this experience where we have the, the diabetics, the people with type two diabetes supporting the people with type one diabetes type. And like, you know, so. Which they are two, they're two completely different diseases. Like if I think people just need to be aware of that, like type one and type two are completely different. Type two is because your diet and your lifestyle caused it. Whereas type one there, there's all, there's, 
many different reasons why type one um, diabetes occurs, but it, it's normally a childhood diagnosis. It can be. It, it often is a childhood diagnosis. I was actually diagnosed at age 26. Um, so it was very much an autoimmune near death experience. Wow. Um, that's not, know, a, it, it that's totally, not super common. Um, well, sadly, at least what I've heard is that it's becoming more common because of, you know, the, the crappy food system that, that we but all live in. And, would you say that was your wake up call? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I want to make one point and then I can sure. talk more about my yeah. experience there, but just cause I don't want to lose this thread, which yeah, is, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, realizing after, you know, my doctor and my dietitian were both diagnosed with type two diabetes and they told me about it, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's an invitation to look at the system that creates that reality. Yeah. And there's an invitation to not lose the humanity of the person who, who now has this health issue because absolutely there, there are ways that, that we as individuals can take responsibility and must, you know, but there's also a call to changing the system that, that made this reality possible in the first place. And so what I noticed in myself when I found out those pieces of information was, you know, because we're all human, like I had all these judgments, I'm like, well, I don't want to, like, I don't want to see a doctor for diabetic support when they're diabetic. <laughs> like that just doesn't make obviously um and not making them somehow morally less than right you know that's they hard. can be it is it's really hard um and that's another space that I really try to invite people into you know like shaming an individual for a lack of willpower or whatever like that particular narrative doesn't actually change no the person it doesn't it doesn't call them into a new experience that I think is another part. That's another way that we often, and I'm guilty of this too, that we subscribe to this divisive us against them kind of narrative. Right. Um, right. And it's, it's a really hard thing to catch, but I think it's, it's especially important right now to watch and to get really clear about how we're making our would be allies into our enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Thank you for going back to that. Sorry. We got, I got it all excited there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's an uh, exciting story. I'm happy yeah. to share it. Well, yeah. it's quite a curious thing too. So like once you learn that your doctor and your, what, what is it? Your dietitian or your health? Yeah, dietitian. Yeah, once you learned that they're type one diabetic, did you kind of, did the conversation shift and you started asking them questions about, okay, well, what are you eating? Like, what's the advice that you're giving me? Like, what are you putting in your body? How come you're a type one diabetic? Especially with the dietitian. That yeah. surprises me. Yeah. Are they, are they, were so, they well, trying they... to push pharmaceuticals on you or like? <laughs> I mean, they, so they were both diagnosed with type two. Um, and, you know, I, I learned that actually after I sort of unsubscribed from most of their general advice. Uh, yeah. Did you stop yeah, yeah. Uh, following their advice after you learned that? Yeah. I mean, I, those, I basically have maintained those relationships for the purpose of getting my insulin prescriptions filled. Right. Yeah. You um, can't live without insulin. That's why insulin yeah. costs so much money. That's, that's one of my biggest things with this, everything that's free, that's getting right. shoved down our throat and, and, um, it, we're getting 
coerced into getting it. Uh, mm-hmm. if it, if it was, if our life was dependent on it, it would be like the cost of insulin. Cause if it's free, then you're the product. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so my experience with that diagnosis definitely was the catalyst for me. Um, I mean, I, gosh, I'm from Oklahoma. And so like, I grew up eating like meat and potatoes and like, you know, all these like eating like vegetables out of cans, um, you know, not having so many processed foods, not really having an experience of, you know, fresh and like ingredients. Um, and then moved to California, uh, in 20, 2006. And, um, I, I, it was like a whole new world. <laughs> There's like freshness and farmer's markets everywhere. And so like, I had already really embraced that sort of shift, you know, and was eating and living much more healthfully in, by my definition than I ever had been. Um, and, but yeah, so then at age 26, I mean, I started experience, well, I, I had like an ear infection was how it, it started. Um, and I went to the doctor to get, you know, just to have them look at it. And they gave me um, a steroid shot for the inflammation and an antibiotic for the infection. And, you know, within a few hours, I started having just some intense dizziness and blurred vision and excessive thirst. And so I was just drinking everything and then I was peeing everything. Yeah, which are and signs of diabetes. Yeah, exactly. I did not know that at the time. I had no interest in diabetes. It was not <laughs> yeah. on my radar. Like just not, none of that was, was in my field. Um, and so I just started having all these intense symptoms and, and I Googled the steroid shot that they gave me was dexamethasone. Mm-hmm. And I remember going online and just Googling, okay, well maybe I'm having side effects. Like what are the side effects of this? And everything I was experiencing was on that list. So I was like, okay, well, it'll pass. It's no big deal. Um, But it didn't pass. It went on for three weeks. And I ended up losing, I think, like 15 pounds in three weeks. Um, And I've never been large. You know, I've always been relatively medium petite. And, you know, started to get to a point where, like, I couldn't show up for it was a bank job at the time. And so I was calling in sick. And my supervisor was like, Angela, you shouldn't still be experiencing these symptoms. You know, if it was a side effect, it should have worn off. So you need to go to the doctor. Um, So if she hadn't said that, I don't, you know, I might've just continued existing in this cloud of, you know, ignorance and lack of curiosity, Mm -hmm. but she encouraged that. So I made an appointment and when I got to the doctor's office, um, I just felt awful. I was like nauseous and thirsty and, and it, it took them like, I don't, I feel like my memory is that I must've waited for like an hour or something or more. And I'm having these diabetic symptoms in this doctor's office. And when I finally see him, he comes to me and he's like, oh, you know, you just need to eat more. You just need to like, go, go have a banana split, go live it up. You might just be like anorexic or something. What? And I was just what? like, but, even if you are anorexic, even if that was what you had, going to tell an anorexic person to eat a banana split is like... That's what bothers me about doctors. Oh and like goodness. my brother just went through this with his cancer treatment. It's like 
nobody should mm. doctors should never prescribe a banana split like ever <laughs> i don't think that should ever be if you want fat go have an avocado go eat some healthy fats you know uh, occasionally you know mm. especially just knowing how inflammatory sugar actually is now yeah sure every yeah. like 90 yeah. percent of the ingredients in a banana split minus the banana are are like garbage it's poison yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there, and there were, there were a lot of failures along the way. Um, I mean, like, and one of the things that really gets to me is like, he's a doctor, presumably he knows what the symptoms of diabetes are. Yes. Um, and he could have just pricked my finger. Like I was literally making maybe like, I had so many trips to the bathroom while I was in his office. Yeah. And right. Nobody like, like the staff were bringing me like glasses of water and stuff and nobody Nobody had a little flag go up. Like it was so confusing, yeah. but I would have even so, had that flag go up if I heard that, but I, my aunt is type one diabetic and she's only mm-hmm. 10 years older than me. So when I like, I, it's been years and years since we've lived in mm-hmm. close proximity, but as a child, like I knew the symptoms of, uh, of a type one diabetic. So like that just blows my mind <laughs> that yeah. the doctor wouldn't have been like, Oh, let's, let's test your, your blood sugar levels. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I ended up getting an even more dramatic like progression because obviously, like I tried to eat. Um, I didn't go for banana split, but I did try a bowl of fruit that didn't work. Um, I couldn't keep it down. I went home. Like I was going through, you know, like I think I went through a gallon of milk and like a half gallon of orange juice in the middle of the, like overnight, um, had no idea of like carbs and blood sugar. Like none of that was on my radar again. Um, but my experience was like, I was parched. So I was drinking everything and I was, I couldn't sleep because I was peeing all night. Um, and so that during that night, that overnight, um, you know, I, I, just, I did have a follow-up appointment because the doctor at least did maybe some flag went up because he did want to schedule a follow-up with me. Um, but so I called my friend who had taken me to the doctor's appointment the the previous day because I I was just too dizzy to drive. It was just dangerous. Um, and I called him and I said, Hey, I'm feeling so awful. Like I'm going to need help getting out of bed this morning. Um, and so I unlocked the door and then I laid down on the couch and I guess I fell asleep or started to drift into a coma because the next thing was like a flash of him coming into my apartment. He scooped me up and carried me down the stairs and put me in his car and drove me to the ER because he told me, he told me later that when he arrived, I looked like a dead cat with my eyes rolled back. Oh my, you were, oh my gosh. Jesus. So I, I ended up going to the ER um, and that my blood sugar at the time that they admitted me well let me let me set this up this way because I like to build this up for dramatic (laughs) if if you know anything about blood sugar diabetes um so a normal person's blood sugar kind of you know varies between like 70 110 maybe if they have a piece of chocolate cake or whatever but a normally functioning pancreas can can regulate that blood sugar um, you can go into a, a diabetic coma at around three or 400. And the most the ER nurses and doctors had seen before my arrival was about seven or 800. Wow. My blood sugar was 1600. Oh Holy my gosh. Shit. And I lived. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't so be here I, today. Wow. 
Yeah, exactly. So you ask if this is a wake up call. Yeah, because my experience, like I remember somebody flashing like a clipboard in front of me to like authorize them to to admit me to the ER. And then I remember a catheter being inserted because, you know, that's a visceral moment. Um, Invasive. And I, yeah, it was just, it was just flashes. Like I don't even have, I don't have memories of that specific day, but um, I was in, I was in the ER for a day. I was in the ICU for a couple of days. And then I was in a regular hospital room for about two and a half days. And uh, my mom flew in and, you know, drove me around and picked up my groceries. And I had one of the ER doctors who had worked on me that first day actually stop by my regular room right before I was being discharged. And, uh, and he just wanted to introduce himself because you were too in, like in, well, in his words, like that's not the kind of thing that, that they see very often and certainly wouldn't expect the person to walk out and, right. and survive. Um, and so it, 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 yeah, it really, really got my attention, you know, and, and I just remember feeling such betrayal and rage at like, I have been living my life in a way that, that I understood to be healthy, you know, like according to the, the systemic instructions from our diet culture and, you know, um, medical culture, like I've been eating all the non-fat things. (laughs) I've been doing all the exercise. Like I've been doing all these things. And like, how is this, how could this epic failure happened to me and I remember being just pissed at my doctor and I was like what do you mean I'm diabetic like what does that even mean how do I like I didn't fit any of the any of the stereotypical you know lifestyle anythings that that I had associated with with you know being type two actually I had no idea type one was like I just I was so ignorant and so trusting of this system that that I now felt really by yeah um and i think that's what it takes for many wake-up calls that happened to me you know when when i got sick whatever 10 years ago i I, we tried everything in the book i mean people who are listening have heard this story a few times but tried everything in the book until i just got so i felt so betrayed like that's when we learned about what gmos were and what like that's when we really started diving into health and naturopathic and holistic doctors are the only doctors infuriate me now I'll, I'll only ever go see it like you have to keep that relationship up because of your insulin but i'll only ever go to a to a hospital if i have a broken bone that needs a cast i mean yeah, other the, than that it's natural holistic approach to life completely and, and preventative and preventative right like yeah. the strongest thing in our cupboard is advil which we never even touch there's there's no pharmaceuticals in this house we take you know our health to the to a serious degree and i'm pretty certain i mean knock on wood then I'll never be on any pharmaceuticals. I'll, no, I'll live I to a ripe old age, eating fresh vegetables out of my garden and uh, I'll be fine, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But, and But in that betrayal is where all of our wake-ups happened. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's where I feel like as a collective right now, what's happening is like, yeah. we're going to see this mass betrayal and we already are seeing it with these, with this, yeah. with the experimental um, vaccines that are given out. Like there's been, countless amounts of injuries and countless amounts of deaths where any other pharmaceutical drug that would have been 
on the market would have been pulled already. Well, we've yeah. been betrayed. This whole Rockefeller petrochemical petrochemical uh, pharmaceutical model, the whole health model has been a betrayal on the world hands down. Yeah. But now this betrayal on the world is like out in the open. It's tenfold. It's it's out in the open and a lot of people still can't see it, which is like brings me back to the point that you made. It's it's curious how some people mm-hmm. just cannot see this. It's like it was easy for us to see because we were awake to the deception of all these world leaders and politicians well before COVID ever came around. But for the people who, you know, go to work every day, watch the news every night and trusted their government, I would like to think that at this point, even if I was one of them, if I saw the world like they saw it, even now I would go, Hey, something's off here. We're being lied to, but we're not seeing it. Some people have got their eyes shut and their head down and they're not going to pick it up. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. It is. And there's, there's a whole other group of people who are just as disillusioned as we are, as I am, who, you know, have been plugged into some of these more liberal social justice communities who are, who are also experiencing a similar disconnect. And like, even some of them are reaching out to me going like, Hey, I, I see what you're saying. And, and I feel like there's so few people who are, who are trying to bridge this divide and like, mm-hmm. thank you for trying to do that. And like, how can we, how can we connect with, how can we build a new community around this? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing, what you're doing, Angela, because I struggle with that on a daily. Um, and I see it all over social media, all over Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media platform it is. If you don't like what I have to say, unfollow me now. I see that all the time. Like, if you don't like what I have to say, just then F off basically. And like, yeah, I have moments where I feel that way, but that doesn't feel good either. Like internally, it feels really horrible. And I think what you're trying to create and what you're doing is a beautiful thing. I don't know if I'm fully there, how you are yet. I would like to be, um, but I'm not sure if I either, like this yeah. is all, this is all <laughs> right, you journey, know? right? Yeah. You know, yeah. but like, like this, you know, as uncomfortable as it is, you know, talking about Black Lives Matter and, you know, just all of the things that are coming up, like, this is the magic. Like, yeah. we, like, we can't let, and I'm speaking like globally, like, we can't let disagreements, you know, of whatever sort keep us from connecting as humans. Yeah. You know, we, we have to sit in some discomfort because if nothing else, it's, it's clarifying about the values that we do hold. Yeah. And the energy that we do want to spend and, and the communities we do want to build and connect with. Yeah. Um, so we, we have to have that, that discomfort. Yeah. Which is, I'd say the majority of people don't want to be in discomfort. Like I was like that for years. I avoided confrontation at all costs, like at all costs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser and like a, a goody, goody, a brown noser, whatever it is, whatever label you want to say. I was always <laughs> that good girl that followed the rules and listened to orders. And, and then I had kids and I met Jamie <laughs> who is like, who, who is kind of the opposite in that regard. Not that you weren't a nice person. But no, just a rebel. Basically. Um, you never felt like you needed, you didn't owe anybody anything. Yeah. And I don't really, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wasn't, I wasn't out there to impress people. It's like, if you don't like me, that's your problem. Which that, if someone didn't like me, I'm like, 
what did I do? How could I make them like me? And I just was like a chameleon, always shifting, always changing right. colors to fit in with whatever group I was in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it's time to yeah, have and we, we get to have boundaries. Sorry. We exactly we get no, to have right. boundaries, you know, like that's that's important, you know. And we, you know, how do we advance the conversation? You know, yeah. and what are the what are the conditions that support a person? to be able to take risks. You know, I think I've, I've seen a number of people talking about this on social media and I've mentioned it a few times that that part of what I find so dismaying right now and, and also understandable in like an oxymoronic kind of way is like, it just seems to be evidence of such deep trauma, you know, mm. because when we're in a traumatized state, like we withdraw, we shut down. We don't have access to the part of the brain that can actually engage socially and can, you know, think rationally. So how do, how do we bridge that gap? And, and I don't think it's through intellectual rationalized arguments or divisive language. It's connecting through the body as humans, through imagination, through empathy. Um, so, and we don't get to have that experience with people if we're only hanging out with folks that agree with us all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. Confirmation yeah. bias. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what got us into this mess, right? Yes. Like, totally. Well, it's like this hive mind mentality. That's why it's like, we're like Jedis or something like that. Like we've all got trauma. I've got trauma. You got trauma. I'm sure you've got trauma, but we're still able to step back and have this like, expanded view and we can see the hive mind and there's a few like 80 percent of the heads are down and there's a few heads that are up and it's like we've got to lift up all the heads and it's like the people that are like why do you think you're right when all everybody else thinks this it's like well not you know it's because there's been a brainwashing campaign ever since we came out of the birth canal to keep us all just following orders right and the ones that of us ones of us that are carrying around trauma and still able to lift our heads up and try and work through our work through our trauma and raise Mm -hmm. up the consciousness of people around us it's like it's time to have the courage to stand up in a room full of people and say i disagree i think i i I love, I heard, I can't remember who it was. It was an author. And I think she was actually a Catholic nun um, who was saying this, but she's like, we have to have the courage to people, everyone around us be in conversation and then be the one saying, I think differently about that. And Mm -hmm. that, that I felt that in my body where I've like, I've been in those situations where everybody that I was talking to thought differently about a health topic that I've, it was actually on vaccines. They were talking about, um, people who don't vaccinate are crazy and da, 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 da. They were just went off on this tangent and I was in this room and I just had my son and I was like, I can't even say anything. And I, I remember just feeling like I shrunk. I like literally mm. like, like just went and I wanted to crawl into a ball and cry. And whereas like me now, I feel like I would have the confidence to be like, no, I actually think differently about that. And that would, that would stop everybody in their tracks and be like, oh, well, we know you. And we know, we know you as a person and you're not crazy and Mm -hmm. you're, you are a good mom and you are a good person. So, oh, maybe all these people who aren't going down the narrative, like, I I think it just gives people an opportunity to have, to see something in different eyes. Well, it also helps to be armed with some data and some research, like all these people that are pointing their fingers at you and saying, you're crazy. 
let's have it let's have a debate and you'll quickly realize that i know way more about this or than a you conversation. do conversation conversation well yeah, yeah well they're not going to have a conversation they're going to have a debate it, it's it's the people that are armed with um they're going by with their their passion of how they're feeling and what they're told it's like they don't they don't they've done they've done hardly any research at all yeah, it's just, just like they're just the doing what they're told you know yeah. yeah i am and that's that's where i come back to like what are the conditions that mm-hmm. support a person to be one of those people in a crowd with their head up versus wow. the person who's looking down and i think it really like i think at least part of the answer to that is you know our our job situation, our financial situation, yeah. um, our the strength of our community, um, you know, and 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 I think that we have to acknowledge that and get really curious about those conditions if we're going to reach each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what would it be like? Oh, actually, before <laughs> there's another huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems as though as I'm listening to us talk, and you know, and based on what I shared, I think I'm having like this new awareness that actually trauma has been for me, and it sounds like maybe for you too, one of the conditions that has supported me, which is a radical thing to say, right? But it has supported me to be able to be one of those people with my head up in this moment. Yes. It's it's maybe the specific nature of my trauma, right? Because like, as you said, I, I believe and I agree that we all have some kind of trauma, but those of us with some kind of medical trauma or a vaccine trauma, you know, I think there's, I mean, it just makes sense that, that, that there's a connection there that we would be like specifically sensitive to right. this particular yes. type of injustice, yeah. but like, what would it be like, um, if, if we just come into conversations, I was listening to what you were saying a minute, Britt, um, like, like being able to disagree and just naming like, Hey, you know, we're going to disagree, like, and let that be okay. Rather than wow. being in this where we're like, you know, we're doing a podcast and we're just assuming like, oh, well, it's going to be, it's going to be a shit show if we don't agree with each other. Yeah. Like yeah. we better like dance around these sensitive topics. Like uh, yeah. what if it's okay? And what if we acknowledge that from the beginning? How does yeah. that change the conversation? Yeah. 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 It could turn out to be a really beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I, cause I'm fine. Like if people want to go get their vaccinations, Go ahead. Just don't try and force me into it. If that's what you decide, if, if you decide that that's what's best for you and your body and your life, I I suggest you don't do it. But if that's what you're <laughs> going to do, go ahead and do it. But don't force it down my throat. And if yeah. your vaccinations really work, then why do you care if I get one or not? You're you're immune. You're vac- You're vaccinated. You're right. you're good. Why do you care at all if I get one or not? Why are you trying to demand and force and ruin my life if I don't get one? Yeah. Yeah. This vaccine, you know, I would love to this to all be over, but this is what, what the current event of our world is like. Um, Cause there's so many other topics I'd love to talk to you about too. Like I know you are, you, you help people get through eating disorders and I'd love to go down that, that avenue. Mm. And now we're, we've already been talking for over an hour and there's just so much it could go. And I just can't wait. Maybe this day won't come very soon. I just can't wait till the vaccine thing isn't even the, Mm. the topic, but I think it's just, it's, we have to talk about it because it's happening right now and it's very prevalent. Um, 
but yeah, like, sorry, I got off on yeah. a, on another tangent there. No, but... that's okay. We could, we could do that all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Can I ask you a question, Angela? What do you do on a daily? I like to ask our, our guests this, that support your health. Daily. Um, I mean, I, I live my life as a kind of meditation. Um, I'm always looking, you know, whether I'm sitting quietly with whatever's coming up and I'm, I'm making it a ritual or not. Um, I am always inviting whatever the experience is, however pleasant or unpleasant to teach me. Um, and I, I practice trusting that life and challenges are for me rather than against me. Mm. Um, everything is an opportunity for transformation, including people who disagree with us, including oppressive systems, you know, including health conditions and, and relationship challenges. Um, so I just try to be in a continual dialogue, um, with whatever is happening. And that's, that's included, that's included how I've, I've allowed myself to show up on social media. I've had moments where I'm just like checking in with myself, like I'll be on a hike and I do try to get out into nature as much as possible. Um, because that's basically my church, (laughs) but I've had moments where I, where I get to the Vista and I'm like, okay, let's check in like with your body, with your purpose, with, you know, the universe and whatever it is. And there was a moment where I just made a very clear choice that like, this is the voice that's coming forward for me right now. This is the issue that feels most pressing. And I'm in a very unique position to, to speak to some of these really important things. And I just, I, I just was like, okay, like I'm surrendering to this right now. This is really scary, but I'm just going to trust it. And it continues to be scary and I continue to trust it. That's a great mindset to, to put yourself in. And it can, you know, I've talked about this before is like using triggers, taking a step back and using those as teachers, teachers. Yeah. You know, and if you can meditate on that to start your day with a little gratitude and then, uh, and reminding yourself that triggers can be teachers then that can stop you from being so reactive when someone doesn't agree with what you have to say that can actually change it completely into a learning experience or a loving experience absolutely i always let myself feel it fully that's another piece for me yeah it's like i know that if i if i try to move it out of the way too fast it's gonna just create it's gonna live in my body you know (laughs) i need to i need to get better at that i i like to try and push the (laughs) shitty feelings away as fast as possible but it's like but then they're just perpetuate perpetuated they're there longer exactly Exactly. yeah you gotta you gotta sit with things a little longer yeah yeah Mm. i think that if anybody if we can take away from anything from today is like when things arise in our body like i often get this like heated feeling in my my neck when like I'm stressed out and I'm like okay let it go I have to breathe (laughs) through it and it's it's not comfortable it's super uncomfortable and normally it leads to tears um but then it's such a release after and just getting into the body like if you I, I didn't know what that used to mean like get into your body and I didn't understand how we suppressed emotions into our body and 
now, as we've been on this journey for like 10 years now, um, there's so much things, so many things we've suppressed and I've done my yoga training and, um, just being in yoga, like sitting in a position, like oftentimes people will just cry and it's like just a release because it's like you've held, held onto a memory or mm -hmm. an emotion that's stuck in your hip for so many years. And mm -hmm. that stuff's real. That stuff is so real. And, oh, I, I dream and envision a day where our healthcare systems and our mental health care systems and all these different systems are are just in harmony it's like a dance like with our mind body and soul and that's what keeps me going that's what keeps me going on this journey is like it's gonna happen and it might not happen the way we want it to happen or as fast as we want it to happen but there's people like you doing what you're doing and that it'll eventually get there <laughs> well even if it gets to the point of like apocalyptic world you know we'll still create a community We'll still find our people and have our gated, our gated community with the zombies outside, and we'll be, you know, we'll we'll get there eventually, one way or another. You yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> how can we? How can we reach the zombies? <laughs> yeah. I love it, Angela. Yeah. Oh, how can we reach the zombies? Oh, you're yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> oh. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, I know it's, you probably have a lot to do and it's, is it Saturday? It's Saturday, it's Saturday today. Yeah, and yeah. I just Yay. want to thank, thank you so much for being here. Like it's been, it really is an honor. Thank you for um, coming to talk with us. Yeah. yeah. Taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's yeah. Thank you for, you're great. Thank you for being in some discomfort with me. I pretty, yeah. really appreciate that. I am honored by that. Like those, that's, uh, as I said, that's where the magic happens for me. So yeah. Well, really that's one thing I want to say is like, it never ends. I mean, with what's going on exactly. right now, uh, I'm, I'm like the only one in my family who sees what's, who is able to see what's going on. There's a divide happening between me and several of my family members. And it really is hard. Like the, the trauma keeps coming up every day. Um, and it's like, we're just going to have to learn how to, how to figure that out. Yeah. And we have to do it together. We yeah. have to find the people who are willing to do it with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, we just, we just got another one, another member of our, <laughs> of our community. <laughs> and I just got two more. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Angela. And if there's anything um, that you would like me to add into the show notes, please like okay where can people reach you other than instagram i'll definitely put your instagram handle in is there and your website is there anywhere else people can reach you at um, if they want to reach those out two, if you're those wanting two are people, sufficient for yeah. now yeah yeah no i'm happy for people to reach out to me um yeah but the the website and the instagram are perfect okay wonderful awesome well thank you very much yeah thank you for your time you're All right amazing. yeah you're awesome you're amazing have a great have a great weekend. You, yeah, too. you too. Keep Thanks, fighting Angela. the good fight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks, Angela.